What up and welcome to the Mean Joe Grizzly podcast. I'm your host Mean Joe Grizzly and today I'm going to be bringing y'all my review of the return of one of horror's most iconic characters. I am of course talking about the return of Leatherface and his long awaited sequel Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Now just like I stated in the previous episode I'm not a fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. In fact, in my opinion, the franchise as a whole is absolutely abysmal and has run a tight race with Hellraiser for the worst of the major horror franchises. The original is a classic and is one of the founding fathers of the slasher subgenre of horror. A sequel is a solid horror comedy and the rest just gets worse and worse with each entry with Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation being one of the worst horror movies ever made. Now, in 2003, a decent reboot was released and a damn near identical sequel was released a few years later. Then the studio would abandon the remake timeline and try the direct sequel treatment for the first time with Texas Chainsaw 3D. Then they decided to try and give Leatherface an origin story, which no one asked for. (laughs) So, after those two back-to-back flops, that even the hardcore Texas Chainsaw Massacre fans couldn't stand, the franchise would lay dormant for five years. So, needless to say, fans of the franchise were not excited for yet another direct sequel to the original, especially since it was going to be going straight to Netflix. This gave fans the impression that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 didn't have the confidence of the studio executives to grant it a wide release. So, naturally, expectations plummeted. And mine, honestly, were almost non-existent. (laughs) So, I watched it twice. And what are my thoughts? Well, before I go into the good, the bad, and the verdict, I'm going to have to give a brief synopsis of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. So, just like I stated before, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 is a direct sequel taking place 50 years after the events of the first film, being set in an abandoned Texas ghost town known as Harlow, where a group of young adults are gentrifying and auctioning off the town for reasons that are not stated and not really ever made clear. But essentially, it's appearing that they are going to turn into like an art district type area with restaurants, art galleries, etc. But the reasoning, like I said before, is never really explained. They just make comments like people can escape from the city and have their own place, which, what does that even mean? <laughs> the group consists of Mel and Dante, two social media influencers that are heading off the project, Leela, Mel's little sister, and Dante's girlfriend, Ruth. 
Now, upon arriving, the group see a Confederate flag hanging on a building that they were all going to be living in. So, they enter the building to remove it, and they discover an elderly woman and a silent man-child that are still living there, even though they were supposed to be removed days before they even arrived by the bank. So, tensions swell as they try to get them out of the, out of the house, and in the process, the elderly woman seemingly has a heart attack. So her and her large man-child son get into the back of the police van, which also doubles as an ambulance because this town is so small, there's hardly any kind of presence here at all. And the two cops and Ruth head off to the hospital. But along the way, the old woman dies and it sends the man-child into a rampage snapping the arm of one of the cops and stabbing him repeatedly in the neck with the jagged bones of his forearm. It was really gnarly. <laughs> and this causes the van to crash in a sunflower field. And then Ruth witnesses the man-child cut off the face of one of the cops and put it on like a mask. And boom, we find out that Leatherface has been in the care of this elderly woman for the last 50 years and that the house that they were in was an orphanage. So for reasons we don't know, this is where he ended up at. And he begins his killing spree by killing Ruth. And then he proceeds to kill more people than this franchise has ever killed. <laughs> if, if, that, if the kill count in this movie doesn't exceed the kill count of the whole franchise, I would be very surprised. There is so many kills in this movie and it's so gruesome. Uh, but this ultimately leads him with a confrontation with the one that got away, Sally Hardesty. Sort of. <laughs> so with all that out of the way, I don't want to spoil the ending. We're just going to get to the good, the bad, and the verdict. So from here on out, we're going to be in spoiler territory. So if you have not seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, I recommend you cut this off, go watch it, and then come back. But you've been warned. All right, let's start with the good. So this movie looks absolutely fantastic. It's shot very well. It has very nice cinematography. Uh, one of the standout shots for me was the kill in the kitchen when the door was swinging back and forth and you can see what was going on as the door swings. I thought that was a really cool effect. And there's several shots like that in this movie. It's top-notch cinematography. There's zero complaints in that department. Uh, the music isn't bad either. Uh, it's not anything to write home about, but it's not the level like it's not at the level like the Halloween movies like the newer Halloween movies like it's this isn't John Carpenter level movie music but the synth score at the end credits is pretty solid though I actually enjoyed it I've seen a lot of people complain about it I thought it was pretty cool when it added like the the bulb effect from the uh from the original movie when the the flash bulb of golf had made that weird uh, squealing noise. Uh, I thought it was cool to integrate that into that synth wave uh, ending. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, 
the kills are great. Uh, probably some of the best kills in the franchise are in this movie. Uh, spectacular gore. Um, and all the while, most of this movie is CGI. And that's something that I'm normally frowned upon and I'm practical effects all the way. But in this movie, they were done very well. And I, I don't have any complaints about the gore or the effects. Uh, I, to me, I didn't notice them. If, if, you, if you noticed them and I'm missing the mark here, that's fine. In my opinion, they were not bad. Like when I think of bad CGI, I think of the Thing prequel from not too long ago. Not a bad movie. Horrible effects. Should have went straight practical with that movie. And this movie, it would have been cool if all the effects would have been practical, but I felt like they did a solid job with the CGI. Uh, and it's paced very well. Uh, I don't feel like this movie drags at all. Uh, so that's something that I was very surprised by. I thought it was there was going to be parts that, oh my God, I can't wait till this scene ends. But nah, it's it's paced pretty well. So that's that's another solid part in this department. Uh, Leatherface. Now Leatherface had some issues, like the the age. He's he's supposed to be he's supposed to be pushing 60, 70 years old. And I'll get more to that in the bad. But I felt like that this is one of the scariest versions of Leatherface. And I think they did a good job of kind of recreating the way he looked in the original. I mean, he doesn't have the same mask, nor does he have like, you know, the suit or the curly haired wig with the lipstick and stuff from the ending of the original. But if you take a look, he's got he's got the button up shirt that's stained and disgusting in the in the apron. And all that, he, he has that on at the end of the movie. I've not, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about that. I felt like they did a great job of doing that. And and he's he got an upgrade. He is more brutal than he ever has been. And they did the same thing with Michael Myers. And they're going to probably continue doing it with all the horror icons the more that they the more that they get get into these movies. Um. I will say that there's one thing that I do want to address. Some of the biggest complaints I've seen have been about Leatherface. And the complaints are is Leatherface is a simple-minded guy that's normally being pushed into violence instead of committing violent acts on his own. And I completely understand that. And you are 100% correct that the original version of Leatherface didn't really commit acts of violence on his own he was compelled to in most cases some cases he did it on his own but i don't think that we can just keep this character the same way forever i mean michael myers isn't the same character he was in the original the 2018 and halloween kills are fine horror, horror movies and great representations of michael myers in fact they might be one of the best versions of michael myers but I don't see a problem with evolving the character and making them more villainous. It's not like Leatherface was a victim or it's not like Leatherface wasn't a villain in previous incarnations. I mean, he's he he is, I guess, a victim of circumstance as in he is he's simple-minded and he is being pushed by his family to do violent acts, but nevertheless, he is still a horror villain. So 
we got to stop, like, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> we have to stop sympathizing with these horror villains and these killers and these movies. I mean, it's, I, I understand, like, and I'm going to get to a point here in the bad section where I was rooting for Leatherface towards the end for reasons that I'll explain in that section, but Leatherface isn't an anti-hero, guys. <laughs> He's it's the same complaint that I had with the Candyman remake is they turned Candyman into an anti-hero. And these aren't anti-heroes. They are monsters. They are villains. And I, I think that making them so relatable, sometimes making them that relatable hurts the character, in my opinion. It makes them less scary and more relatable. <laughs> and that's something that I don't think that we... I don't think that that we should do and that we that it it dumbs down the effect of the movie in my opinion but that's just me but i liked leatherface in this movie i thought he was pretty solid and i think there was times where he moved like he was pushing 60 70 years old it made sense but there were times where he was sprinting and doing these incredible feats of strength and stuff and and that kind of took away the fact that he's supposed to be old but those are minor complaints I have, and I'll get to those in the bad section. So with that, we're going to bring this section to an end, and we're going to move on to the bad. So, like with Texas Chainsaw 3D, the concept of a competent timeline is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's not as bad. Um, if this is supposed to take place 50 years later then Leatherface should be pushing 70 or higher. In the movie, he appears to be 60 at the most. Now, it's unclear how old Leatherface is in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, he seems to be no older than 60. Now, the actor playing Leatherface is Mark Burnham, and I can't find anything about his age, but his acting career started in like 1996 if that's any any kind of indicator so he doesn't sell the 70 plus narrative but at a lot of times he does move like he's like a 50 year old man or a 60 year old man or, or close to 70 but those times are really overshadowed by scenes of him sprinting or or him performing feats of strength that a 70 plus year old man just wouldn't be able to do. Uh, it, it's it's not as big of a deal to me, but for some people it is. And after all, Michael Myers is 60 plus in Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. And I had no issue with the stuff he was doing and neither did most people. But then again, this is different with Leatherface. So they could have handled that a little bit better. Um, now, Sally Hardesty. Her return was underwhelming, unoriginal, and unnecessarily done. Uh, it was a complete ripoff of Lori Strode in Halloween 2018. The other problem is, is Sally and Lori are two totally different victims. Sally isn't the type of victim or final girl that Lori is. Lori is a fighter. She fights and she she's trying to get away from her attacker, but 
she doesn't just simply run away. She gets put in a situation where she has to fight. She fights. Uh, Sally, on the other hand, she was running every chance she got, which that doesn't make her a bad character. But, for instance, when she ran out of the house after the dinner scene and jumped out the window, uh, the hitchhiker was chasing behind her with a razor. and He was just cutting her back up with a straight razor. And Lori Strode would have turned around and fought the hitchhiker. She wouldn't have just let him slash her back up like that. So it's really far-fetched to me that Sally would go on and become that type of character, that fighter, that 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 victim that's not going to go down without a fight when she supposedly becomes a Texas Ranger for the last 40 years hunting Leatherface. It just doesn't make... It doesn't fit the character for me. So, I will say that she looks the part. Uh, she looks like she's pushing 70 years old. And she is a badass, but it just didn't work for me. And it, to me, it didn't bring anything to the table because she didn't show up to the very end and she was in the movie for maybe 10 minutes at the most and then she fucking gets off so it's like what was the point you know it's i mean i'll give her credit for having having a good line with with uh leela and telling her that if she ran away he would never stop haunting her and for some reason that was well delivered line for me i don't know why but either way it's dime store Lori strode is a no for me so let's move on from that the social commentary is forced, lazy, and completely irrelevant. Now, horror is no stranger to bringing issues to light through their stories and, or characters, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, they are completely out of place and don't push the story forward in any way. In fact, there are relevant issues like gentrification. The characters are gentrifiers, and to more than one group of people in this country, that is always an issue. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 seemingly gives these characters a pass by completely ignoring the fact that they ran an elderly woman out of their out of her home, and by that action gave her a heart attack. And then setting into motion the bloodbath to come. But it's okay because she had a Confederate flag hanging up. And although that in itself is a huge problem, they traded one evil for another and didn't even blink an eye. So it doesn't make sense to me and it adds nothing to the story. It's like, why would you focus so much on certain issues but completely let one issue just completely run rampant? So just didn't make sense and just seemed super forced and completely out of place so they definitely dropped the ball on that one and finally the absolute biggest problem with this movie these characters are some of the worst in the history of horror and no i'm not exaggerating they are terrible Especially male. 
In fact, Mel is so bad, she's so condescending, so self-righteous, just, I mean, it would be hard for me to find one good thing about her. She's definitely not alone. The other major characters are bad too. Uh, Leela and the mechanic were the only ones that were serviceable for me. Uh, and it's a common problem in horror movies that the audience ends up rooting for the killer or the monster because the characters are so bad. And I definitely was rooting for Mel to get personal with the saw by the end of this movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I would go as far as to say that she is comfortably in the same league as Tina from Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and Franklin from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that kid from The Babadook. She is that annoying. If you don't think so, that's fine. You're entitled to your own opinion, but I feel like she is one of the most insufferable characters I have ever had to see on the big screen, and I could not wait until she met the saw. So, with all that out of the way, let's get to the verdict. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise has little to offer after Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as far as sequels go. As I stated before, the franchise is running a tight race for the worst franchise in horror, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 is easily the best sequel since Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. But that does not mean it's good. Sure, it has great kills, it looks good, and it has a scary version of Leatherface. But all of that is overshadowed by abysmal characters, a dime store Laurie Strode in Sally Hardesty, and an unnecessary, irrelevant social commentary. It's mindless fun, but that's about it. The problems outweigh the fun, and with that, I give it a 2.5 out of 5, and I cannot give it the Grizzly Grade Guarantee. And with that, we will bring this episode to a close. Thank you guys so much for your continued support and patience. I want to give credit where credit's due. And my intro is by a band known as Zombie Hyperdrive. And the background music for this episode was from Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Go check those guys out. Their music is awesome. I'm going to keep what's coming up next in the dark for now. I got a lot of things I can choose to go with, but I'm just going to keep them to myself for now. Got a lot of stuff coming up. Got the Batman. You got Moon Knight. You got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And Morbius. You remember Morbius? Yeah. Yeah, I barely remember Morbius too. I hope it's good. But until then, remember, I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch.